Have you ever had an encounter like that? Just kind of going through life, normal stuff, day to day for Elizabeth. She was just there to sell a house. She was just there doing her job, just doing some real estate, trying to help Miss Clara to sell her house, trying to raise her daughter, trying to be a good wife, or trying to figure out how to, you know, how to keep her marriage together. Have you ever had a time like that where, where you were just kind of going through life, but all of a sudden, God did something to get your attention? Maybe for you it was, like your job. Maybe somebody on your job like, like Elizabeth. Maybe it was the death of a family member. Maybe it was going to a doctor's office and getting a health report and finding out that things after you walked out of that office were going to be a lot different than when you walked into it. Whatever it might be. Maybe it's just coming to church today. Maybe God's going to use this message in your life to get your attention like that. Whatever it is. God begins to say, you know what? I am at work in your life. And I am trying to get your attention because I want to speak to you about something. This weekend, we're beginning a new message emphasis called War Room. It's based on the movie. Many of us have seen the movie. Many of you actually watched the movie with us right here in this room a few weeks ago. Or maybe some of you haven't seen it. If you haven't seen it, I would highly encourage you to watch it, especially if you're going to be here with us during these next few weeks together. But it's really the movie is really a story about renewal. It's about God getting the attention of a lady. And ultimately, God getting the attention of a family. And prayer being a big part of that. And as we kick off this new year, 2016, God just really put on our heart. As we're beginning this new year, as we're heading into Easter, the Lord put on our heart to study this emphasis together. To have a real time together of focusing on renewal and prayer as a church family. We're starting that together this weekend with this message. We want to talk about an honest evaluation. An honest evaluation. Just like Elizabeth in that clip, God wants us to know that sometimes we come to a place in our lives where we just need an honest evaluation of where we're at. Now, I don't know about you, but I didn't wake up this morning just wanting to evaluate my life today. Amen? How many people just love... Going to work and finding out we're doing inventory this week, right? I mean, don't you just love that? That is my favorite thing. That is the passion of my life. I love doing inventory. Who wants to go to a doctor's checkup? I do my best. When I have a yearly checkup or, or you know, a yearly checkup with my doctor, I, I do my best to find out something else I can do. Amen? To reschedule, to put that thing off for another month or so. Whatever I can do. And sometimes... God wants to give us a checkup of our lives. And I think maybe we even realize that, don't we? In fact, for some of you, that may be the reason why you did not want to come to church today. Sometimes we kind of sense that God is speaking to us, don't we? We kind of sense that God is stirring something in our hearts, that He's wanting to do something in our lives. And because of that, unfortunately, many times we stay away, don't we? Just like I put off my doctor's appointment, many times we stay away from church. We stay away from people that remind us of God, don't we? Maybe you've experienced that before. Maybe there are people in your life that avoid you. And you need to realize that it's not a personal attack against you, but maybe you're a reminder to them that God is wanting to work in their lives. 
Because ultimately, that's what we're doing. We're trying to avoid God. But God says that sometimes we need to stop and do an honest evaluation of where we're at. I want to turn to Psalm chapter 139, verses 23 and 24. The Bible says in Psalm 139, 23, it says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts. And see if there be any hurtful way in me. And lead me in the everlasting way. That verse says, search me. It says, examine me thoroughly. And who are we asking to do that? This is not somebody saying they're going to do it. This is us asking someone to do it. We are asking someone to thoroughly examine our lives. And who are we asking to do that? God. The psalmist was turning to God saying, God, I welcome you coming into the picture of my life. You knocking on any door that you want to knock on. Nothing is going to be off limits. I want you to thoroughly search my heart. My inner being. My innermost thoughts. Be aware, God, of what is going on in the depths of my my soul. Think about what's being said there. I don't know about you, but most of the time I'm avoiding God dealing with most issues in my life, right? I mean, I don't mind if he sees that because I think I did pretty good in that area. I don't mind if he sees that. But there's a lot of areas that I say are kind of off, right? But, but the psalmist is saying, God, I want you, I invite you to come into my life to test me, to examine me, to show me for who I really am. And to see and to find out, is there any pain in me? By the way, isn't that why we're avoiding that examination? Is there any wickedness in me? That word can be translated. Is there anything in my life, God, that is hurtful? That is wrong? That is sinful? That is damaging? That destroys me or destroys relationships that I have with other people? And then he says, and lead me, God, when you see those things, point those things out, test me, see if there's anything like that. And then I want you to lead me and by the way, many times we focus on the uh, Christians, many times focus on the negative aspects, but this is very positive here. God, I want you to come search me because I want good things. Amen? It's not just I'm a glutton for punishment. I mean, it's not just that we as Christians come for a beating every week, right? For a spiritual, you know, kind of get, uh, you know, just sort of... Uh, uh, that God is just constantly pointing out what we're doing wrong and making us feel bad about it. That's what many churches and many Christians have portrayed. But no, He says, God, I want you to search me to see if there's anything that would be wrong in me, anything against you, and I want you to lead me. And this is really cool. The word that He uses there, He says, I want you to lead me in the everlasting way. That word can be translated, I want you to lead me in the forever way. I want you to lead me in the eternal way. I want you to lead me, God, in the unending way. It's kind of a cool word that's basically saying it's a word that means from eternity past to eternity future. God, I want you to lead me in the big way. What's he saying? God, I want you to lead me in your way, right? Know what he's saying? God, you have a plan. That is stretched out across the ages. I mean, this word is a big word. It's, it's sort of difficult. I'm trying to give you the, the broadness of it. He said throughout the ages, there's a spectrum of God's work and God's perspective. And God sees all that. And God is doing all that. And God is working all that. And he's saying, God, I want that. Amen, anybody? 
Listen to Jeremiah chapter 6, verse 16. It says, Thus says the Lord, Stand by the ways and see and ask for the ancient paths. By the way, that's the same word we just read in Psalm 139. The everlasting way. Stand by the ways and see and ask for the everlasting way. Where the good way is and walk in it and you will find rest for your souls. Don't forget what we're talking about here. We don't like evaluation. Amen? We don't like examination. We don't like testing. We don't like where am I really at. But these verses are saying, God, God is saying to us, stand by the road. I want you to get this picture. Many times, the Bible's not illustrated unless you have a kid's Bible, and I highly recommend that if you like illustration. But, but the Bible does not have illustrations. But you know what? The Bible does have illustrations. They are written into the book. And so you should get this picture as we're reading that verse. It says, stand by the way. Stand by the road and see and ask for the ancient path. For that everlasting way. That's God's. And by the way, I like that translation here for the ancient path because that kind of gives the idea there's ways of old. Are you hearing me? God's bigger than me, amen? God's been around a while, amen? There's ways of old. There are actually even ways of old in my life even. Ways that I used to walk closely with God. For some of us, amen? Amen? And so all of those nuances come into this stand by the way and see and ask for that everlasting way. Where the good way is and walk in it and you will find rest for yourselves. What Jeremiah, God is saying through Jeremiah is periodically, listen, don't miss this picture, periodically we need to stop on the road. Even get off of it. We need to have a rest stop moment. Anybody ever... Rest stop moment. My kids do, amen. Especially when they're younger, lots of rest stop moments on trips. Sometimes you got to get off the highway and stop for just a minute because we need to do some things, and then we're going to get back on the road and we're going to start traveling again. That's the exact picture that you should get as we're reading Jeremiah. God says, Here's my counsel to you people. Sometimes you need to stop, you need to stand by the road, you need to have a rest stop moment. You need to look at where you're at and compare it with where you need to be. Don't we do that at the rest stop? Don't we look at the GPS? Don't we try to figure out, are we on the right track here? And to look again for the ancient way. To look for that good path, God's path, God's perspective. And then he says, get back in the good way. There again, this is not just a glutton for punishment. Get off on the red stop. Let God tell you how terrible your life is and then get back to it again. That's the way many times we see letting God examine our lives. But that's not at all. Both of these passages say that God, I want you to examine my life because I want to compare where I'm at with where I'm supposed to be. And then as I see that, I'm asking you to get me back on the good path. Amen. And then he says, when you do that, it will be good for you. I can't help but wonder. When we go through a series or an emphasis together, do you believe that God is leading our church? Do you believe that God is speaking to us? Do you believe that God speaks through your pastors, speaks through the ministry leaders, speaks through the other believers in our midst, that God is stirring and that God 
that sovereignly that, and that the fact that we're going through, it's just a movie. War Room's just a movie. Okay? Some people made up a movie. Let's don't make too much of it. It's just a movie. But to the extent that they were led by God to bring out some things that are in His Word, and to the extent that God has put us together for these moments to think about those things, I have to ask myself, I'm not here by accident, am I? Is it possible that God, right now, is calling you to a rest stop moment? He's saying to you, you're charging hard down the throughway, down the northway. I'm saying, let's call time out for just a minute. Let's think about some things and then we'll get back on the right path and get going. Is it possible that's what God's doing in our church family? I believe that with all my heart. And that doesn't necessarily imply in your life or in our church family that things are terrible or that things are awful. Now, if they are, we need to deal with that. Amen? But, but it could just be, hey God, it's a, it's a point in my life of thinking about what are you trying to say to me? And then getting on the right path again. Let's think about that for just a moment. If you're open to that, let me give you some specific things that God may be wanting to check in your life right now. First of all, write this down. He wants to check the relationship. Check the relationship. Miss Clara started by asking Elizabeth, so, would you say you know the Lord? She got right to the point, didn't she? There are many people who go to church, there are many people who say they believe in God, but they have never personally given their life to Jesus Christ. They have never personally received the gift of salvation. They have never placed their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. In fact, this week, and I believe God was working through a couple of people in our church family, a precious brother in the Lord came to me about a week ago he said, Pastor Robbie, God's been putting on this verse I'm about to read to you. Matthew 7, verses 22 and 23. Then somebody else, a precious young lady, reached out to me this past week and shared that God had put those same verses on her heart for a different purpose. And, and we were just talking about that. And I, and, I, and I had to ask as I was entering this message, God, were you speaking to them because you're speaking to someone else in our church family? Because one of them shared with me, Pastor Robbie, I want to make sure that I'm a part of helping our church family to know that they know that they know that they have a relationship with Jesus. Because the Bible says that one day some people are going to stand before God and find out that they were not truly followers of God. Listen to those verses. It says in Matthew 7, verses 22 and 23. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And in your name, cast out demons. And in your name, perform many miracles. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Friends, listen to me very carefully. It is one of the desires of my heart. It is, it is something that keeps me up at night sometimes. As I, as I share God's Word with you on the weekend, I, I want to make sure that no one that ever heard the sound of my voice 
that was under the leadership that God has given me to be as your, his under-shepherd, as a part of the, the pastoral team of this church family, that there would never be anybody that was a part of this ministry that misunderstands about salvation. And that when we stand before the Lord one day, there won't be any surprises. Amen? But friends, listen. There are many, many people in churches right now who think that they're all set with God. But they have never given their life to Jesus Christ. If that is you, don't be ashamed of that. I've seen pastors. I've seen ministry leaders. I've seen people who've taught classes in Sunday school for kids for years and years. And there have been people in our church. Well, one time, one, uh, 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 a couple of our pastor's wives, actually, there were times in their lives, not here at New Hope, but before they came here, that, that they had been far down the road of being a Christian. And they realized that they had never put their faith in Jesus Christ. So periodically, we need to check ourselves. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 13, verse 5, Test yourselves to see if you are in the faith. Examine yourselves. Can I share something with you? Some of you have heard me say this before and it may surprise you. And I don't want to cast any doubt or concern about your pastor. I know the Lord, okay? I know the Lord. So don't be, don't be concerned about but I, But I want to be honest with you. Periodically, when I hear a challenge like this, especially, I, I stop for just a minute and I say, Lord... Am I really one of yours? Because the Bible says, test yourselves. Examine yourselves. And you know what? Pretty quick, you know what he says? Yep. Yep. You know what happens? You know what happens? Because I've received Christ as my Savior, so I have the promise of the Holy Spirit. Because He lives in me, so I have the presence of the Holy Don't you sense if you're a Christian, He's in you? I can't deny Him. Amen? He is in me. Even on days when I personally struggle or the enemy attacks me, He is in me. Amen, anybody? And then I see the power of the Holy Spirit working in my life, the fruit of the Spirit. I do see, even though I struggle, I do see that God is at work, even again in spite of me many times. Amen? And so pretty quickly, you know, I get that affirmation. No, Robbie, you're my son. But just so that I be careful. Not that I doubt the power of salvation. If you're saved, you're saved. But checking myself to make sure that I've experienced it. So I want to ask you this question. Do you know for certain that you have eternal life and that you're going to heaven when you die? Yes or no? Do you know for certain that you have eternal life and that you're going to go to heaven when you die? So check the relationship, but then check the fellowship. Many of us are like Elizabeth. Many of us are saved. We are born again. We are children of God, but we're not walking as closely to the Lord as He wants us to. There's some sin in our life that we need to admit to, that we need to confess to. That's why the Bible says in 1 John 1 verse 9, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. As a child of God... It should be a part of our daily walk with the Lord to ask God to search our hearts and to speak to us about anything that's in our lives that's not pleasing to Him. But sometimes there needs to be that moment. There needs to be 
you're on a retreat or you're going through a special series with your church family like this or whatever it might be, you're listening to a message and God gets your attention in a special way. Sometimes there needs to be that moment where you just say, you know what, God, you're speaking to me about something that I need to get right with you and I need to get it right with you now. Do you need to pray not for salvation, but for cleansing? There is something in my life. By the way, some of you are a little bit over-analytical. If you don't know for anything, I mean, don't feel that guilty condemnation stuff that the enemy piles on. I'm not talking about digging for something. I'm just saying, if you're here today and you know that God is speaking to you about something in your heart that is standing in the way of what He's wanting to do in your life, then get it right. We need an evaluation. But then the third thing is check your life direction. A few weeks ago, I mentioned a verse out of Romans 14, verse 12. It says, So then each one of us will give an account of himself to God. That is a broad verse that reminds us that one day each one of us is going to give an account to God for the direction of our lives. So the question is, am I ready for that right now? Would I be glad if I were standing in front of Jesus right now? Maybe more importantly, would He be glad? I've been talking a lot with our two oldest kids about life direction and college and things like that. And, and, you know, just really trying to cast a vision for them. You know, hey, just thinking about it. Okay, in three years, you're going to be standing right here where you are now thinking about the next, okay? So, or, or in four years. So in three or four years, you're going to have done some things. Okay, thinking about college and things like that. So if you're thinking about that, Think about three years from now, what would I be excited that I just got through learning? What would have prepared me for what I feel like God wants me to do with the rest of my life? Maybe in a negative way, what would I regret having wasted time doing, right? And maybe even more importantly, especially to dad, how much will it have cost? Amen. And maybe even more importantly to dad, can I pay it back? Seriously, right? Give me some backup adults as a pair. Amen? But isn't that a great thing to think about? I'm starting a path. I'm preparing for something. Do I know what it is? Am I going to be ready for it after I go through this path? And was it worth the cost of getting there? Some of us need to do that with the Lord, don't we? Really, all of us do. God, what is it? That's really all my my two oldest kids are really kind of grappling with right now is, God, what is your direction for my life? And that's really something that we all need to ask, right? God, what is it that you want to do in my life? What is your vision for my life? So I said to them, okay, three years, four years from now, you're going to be somewhere. Will you feel good about that? Shouldn't we all do that with our lives? Ten years from now, I'm going to be somewhere. Well, I feel good about that. Specifically, will I feel good about that what? Before the Lord, right? Will God feel good about that? Will that be what He had set out for me? A couple of years ago, we started something in our church family called Base Camp. And really, the purpose of Base Camp, there's two parts to Base Camp 1. By the way, if you've never taken Base Camp 1, it's really kind of a laying a foundation for your Christian walk. If you've never taken that, I highly encourage you to take it. But you take Base Camp 1, but Base Camp 2, Base Camp 1 is kind of a one-time thing, and you can go back and take it. But Base Camp 2, we created as a yearly 
evaluation, a yearly tool for us to check ourselves, much like we're talking about here. And really, we're kind of bringing that into this focus with War Room. And what we're going to do is we're going to do this emphasis together and kind of do our base camp too. God, check my heart, check the direction of my life, be speaking to my heart. And then on Good Friday, we're going to culminate that with a prayer service, which will really be our base camp too, of kind of saying, okay, God, you've been priming my heart. You've been speaking to my life. God, I want to make some decisions about the direction of my life. So God calls us to a time of evaluation that's very important. There's one key area that He really wants us to think about. And I want to talk about that next. We especially need to evaluate our prayer life. And somebody says, well, you weren't just kidding. We're going to get right to it. I mean, you went to evaluation and then now we're going to prayer life. I mean, that's pretty, you know, those are kind of my toughest things, right? Did you notice how Miss Clara got straight to the point? And yes, did you notice that Elizabeth was a little bit caught off guard? I'm just trying to sell a house. I mean, back off, woman. Amen. I mean, it's just, it's, I mean, it's kind of you just want to feel like chill out, you know? And do you want to sell your house or not? But Miss Clara was being used by the Lord to help Elizabeth get to the point of what God was wanting to deal with in her life. And one of the biggest things was her prayer life. I want you to think with me for just a moment about prayer. Write this down. First of all, prayer is hard work. Well, it must be hard, right? Because we do almost anything else before we pray. I'm just being honest, amen? We'll go look for Dr. Phil. We'll go Google it. We'll check our Instagram, Facebook, whatever. You know, read a book, go to a seminar. Take a vacation. Buy yourself something with a refund if you get one. <laughs> we'll do anything before we decide to pray. Isn't that true? I'm just being honest. Y'all don't leave me hanging up here by myself, amen? <laughs> Listen to what one of my favorite authors on prayer said about this, Ian e. Bounds. He said, to say prayers in a decent, delicate way is not heavy work. But to pray... Really, to pray till hell fills the ponderous stroke. To pray till the iron gates of difficulty are opened. Till the mountains of obstacles are removed. Till the mists are exhaled and the clouds are lifted. And the sunshine of a cloudless day brightens. This is hard work. But it is God's work. And man's best labor. Prayer is hard work, isn't it? I'll write this down. Prayer is not really that hard. Prayer is not hard work, is it? God has given us the most simple way in the world to connect. Isn't it incredible? All you have to do. Now listen, there's a huge price that has to be paid on the front end. Thank God Christ paid that. Amen. I got my admission fee paid. Praise the Lord. Amen. So I have access to the throne of God 365 days a year, 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, instant access to God all the time. Even right now while I'm preaching to you, I can be praying and talking to the Lord. It's a little bit difficult, but I can say something. Please help me. Amen. 
And as you make the decision to pray and experience it more, you find that it isn't all that much a chore, really. Can you hear me? It's not really that big of a chore like we think it is. In fact, it's a joy to spend time with the Lord, isn't it? Just to be alone with God. That same author, Ian Bounds, summed up what I'm trying to say like this. He said, prayer is the easiest and the hardest of all things. The simplest and the most sublime. The weakest and the most powerful. By the way, he said the reason it's the most powerful is because its results lie outside the range of human possibilities. Its results are only limited. Listen to this creative language. Its results are only limited by the omnipotence of God. That was tricky language. Omnipotence means God is all-powerful. So prayer is only limited by the all-powerful nature of God. So prayer is not limited. I love it when people can write good things. Amen. So we need to realize that God has given us a very simple way to connect with Him, but for some reason it is not something, please, with me, will you acknowledge our weakness? It is not something that comes natural to us. Amen? It is not something that is easy for us, naturally. So God's going to have to challenge us to do it, and He's also going to have to give us the desire and ability to do it regularly. The Bible says in Colossians 4, verse 2, Devote yourselves to prayer. Devote means to continue in something all the time. Friend, I hope, I hope we're going to become a powerhouse of prayer. Amen. I hope that one of the themes at the end of your life and your experience at New Hope Community Church is, huh, what are the things that I picked up along the way? Prayer is important. It is huge. The Bible says it is what we're to continue in all the time, to be sticking closely to something constantly. The Bible emphasizes over and over again, God emphasizes that prayer, His intention is that communication with Him is to be a constant factor in all of our lives. I want to share a few things with you. In my experience, this is the progression of most people's prayer life. First of all, I don't talk to God at all. Maybe that's you. Maybe just being honest. We're being honest, right? And I hope that's going to change. Second is, I only talk to God in emergencies. Isn't that what we do many times? By the way, don't feel bad about that. Thank God you at least talk to Him in the emergencies. Let's just pick up the pace a little bit. Amen? Let's talk to him a little more often. So, so don't step back, just move forward. Third step I see is I talk to God every so often. That's good. I remember that in my life. I remember I didn't really talk to God. I remember I talked to God a little more often. And so I, I began to notice I was making progress. I remembered about God throughout the day, so that's great. The fourth one is I talked to God all throughout the day. By the way, this is most people in their mind This is most of our mind. This is our ultimate. I want to get to the place where I talk to God all throughout the day. And by the way, that is, that really is the goal. 
But I think many people miss the fifth one. I devote special time to spend with God every day. Can I share something with you? This is the secret. The secret that many believers never discover. My prayer, my hope is that we together will grab a hold of that. The development of a vibrant, loving, daily, listen, communion with God. And that's really the idea of this whole emphasis. The whole idea is that I need a war room. Listen, I need a time to spend with God. Somebody wrote a book, Too Busy Not to Pray. Amen? I need to get alone. I'm frantic. I'm frustrated. I'm confused. I need a time where it's just me and God. And yes, it's great when I'm driving down the north way. Yes, it's great when I'm taking the kids to soccer. And yes, it's great when I'm, when I'm making supper. And all that's great. And that, that, and that should be our goal is to daily fellowship with God all throughout the day. But there needs to be that time, just like as a married couple, there needs to be those special times when we look each other in the eyes and we spend that special, focused, intimate time together. That's not just two ships in the night passing. Amen? This is the secret that many of us are missing. How many people watch the War Room movie and say, I want to be a Miss Claire? How many of us? Don't we? I want to be a Miss Claire. I've heard so many people say that. I want to be a Miss Claire. Well, if you want to be a Miss Claire, you got to do what Miss Claire does. Write this down. If I want what few people have, I've got to do what few people do. Now, I want to share something with you as you write that down. Some of you will not believe this. Some of you will not receive this. You'll fight it. You'll disagree with it. Listen, doesn't everything in me say there must be another way? Amen? I'm just honest with you guys about my struggle because I know it's probably yours too. There must be another way. I will fight it. I've been fighting it my whole life. Amen? There must be another way. And so five years from now, and so I guess Pastor Robbie was right. And you're going to come around. Okay, I'll just have to live with that. All right. Some of you will receive it. But you aren't really serious about doing it yet. You've got good intentions, but you're still not sure it's worth the perceived sacrifice. Isn't that true? If I get serious about prayer... What's that going to mean? And there's lots of different implications to that. And some will embrace it. It is my hope that a ton of us over the next few weeks are going to embrace that idea. I need God. I am desperate for God. I am hungry for God. I am tired of fighting God. Amen? Amen? I'm so excited to hear so many of you, as soon as the movie was over, some of you said, I went home and made a war room. Yes, people, let's go. Go for it, amen? Go for it. Clean out a closet. Be dumb. Be silly. Be foolish for Christ, amen? 
Have your kids walk in like her daughter and say, Mom, what are you doing? I mean, she was eating potato chips, you know, part of the time. But, but to see you praying, to see the things that you've written about, that you're praying for them, that touches all kinds of things. I think really if we are going to make that decision, we've got to, we've got to realize something else. We need to realize what's at stake. In my experience... Seeking God more or praying more has always been like a, you know, kids, you really should eat more broccoli. That's the way prayer comes across, isn't it? You got to eat your vegetables. <laughs> yeah, that's the way we feel. But don't you understand, it is much different than that. It is not just good for you. Okay, listen up. It is not just good for you. It is vital for your survival. Is it not true that many people are not surviving? Even us Christians? We're not doing very well. Why is that? Do we know what the stakes are? Friends, listen, the Bible says in 1 Peter 5, verse 8, be of sober spirit. There's that pay attention language we've been noticing in God's Word. It says, be of sober spirit. Be on the alert. Because your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. The word devour means to drink or to swallow down something. You have an enemy who is like a lion in the jungle who wants to swallow you whole and destroy your life. That's what the Bible says. If you knew you had an enemy like that and he was attacking you, he was attacking your family. Would that raise the stakes? By the way, the enemy is not your husband. He's not your wife. He's not your kids. He's not your neighbors. He's not the people at work. Ephesians 6 verse 12 tells us who our, who our enemy is. It says, For our struggle... An intense struggle is not against flesh and blood. It's not against people, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenlies. The Bible says that we have a battle that we're facing every day. And it's not those people that you're putting faces to the enemy. There is an enemy who is seeking to destroy and to kill and to divide and to mess up and to maim, and to hurt, and to steal, and to lie. If we truly believe that there was an enemy out to destroy our lives, does that not raise the stakes? If you were home right now and someone was trying to break into your house, do you not get your game? You see mine, don't you? I got my game face on, right? I'm ready for them, right? Don't you do that? There's a threat. And the threat is not you people. There's an enemy. And if anything, if you have problems with people, if you can get together and realize, hey, we're fighting each other, let's fight the enemy together. We see what's going on here. We're not going to let this happen. Miss Clara was helping Elizabeth to become aware that that was the case in her life. And we've got to realize that we're fighting the wrong battles. Listen, let me ask you a question. How many of us would say right now, if something does not happen, we're not going to make it? However you want to apply that in your life. 
marriage, financially, kids, job, whatever. If something does not happen right now, I don't think we're going to make it. If you can make that statement, it is past time for you to get serious about prayer. And fighting the real enemy. The Bible says we have three big problems. We have a sinful nature. Desire a bent to go away from God. We live in a world that's messed up and gives us lots of opportunities to use that sinful nature. And then we have an enemy that's trying to get us to do it because he wants to destroy us. Because he hates God. Ultimately. Many times you'll hear people describe that as we have the world, the flesh, and the devil. Those are our three enemies. We need to realize what's at stake, don't we? I want to ask you a question. Are you getting a little bit ill? Are you getting a little bit ill? I mean, hoping not of me. <laughs> Are you getting ill about this? Elizabeth kind of, she began to perk up and paid attention in the movie, didn't she? There's something happening that I've been allowing to happen. But I'm not going to allow that to happen anymore. I am going to get serious about my relationship with God. It starts with me. Is that what God's saying to you? It's time. It's time right now. No excuses, no other, no detours, no sidetracks. Let's just get honest with God. I want to ask you to bow your head with me for a moment. Is it time for an honest evaluation of your life? God, I just need you to speak to me. I'm tired. I'm frustrated. I'm confused. I'm empty. I'm hurting. I'm purposeless. I don't know the way to go, God. Would you say, search me and try me, O oh God? God, would you come check out my life? And Lord, I know there's some things that you've already shown me, and, and I, I confess those. I ask you to forgive me for those and get those things out of my life, God, with your help. But Lord, even show me some things that I haven't even realized were there. I don't want there to be anything in my life that would be hurtful. And lead me in the way eternal. God way, the forever way. The purpose that you have for my life. And while some of us camp out there for just a moment, some of us need to take another step and say, God, I know what it is. I need to get serious about spending time with you, God. I cannot be described as a person of prayer. want that to change. And I want it to change right now with your help. God, I know I can't do it. As easy as it sounds, I know I won't do it. I won't fulfill that commitment. So God, would you begin to work in me? 
And it's not me trying harder, but it's me surrendering to you and your leading. And some of us that have been playing patty cake, just playing games with life, we need to realize this is for keeps. Your kids, their lives are at stake. Your home cannot make it without Christ. And there's an enemy that's wanting to destroy it. Would you get upset about that? Would you say, God, thank you for protecting us so much already when I didn't even realize what was going on around me. God, help me to do battle for my home, for my church, and for my community, for this world that is so messed up, God. But God, I want you to have the final word. I want you to be shown as victorious. Maybe you're here and you've never given your life to Jesus Christ. Would you say, Jesus, I believe. I know I need you and I ask you to come into my life and to be my Savior. I want to start this journey with you right now. God, I pray over these next few weeks that you would do a work that we would look back on for years to come. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.